Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, well, healthcare, education, maybe even online sports betting. State lawmakers are bustling inside the Gold Dome. We'll get an update from WABE politics reporter Sam Greenglass. And get this, stolen catalytic converters. Catalytic converters are leaving many local drivers with nowhere to go. Uh, But Atlanta City Councilman Antonio Lewis is behind an ordinance that may curb all those thefts. And also, while some tech companies have started major layoffs, Georgia's leading tech association is continuing to help bring more diversity to the industry. Important community conversations coming up. All that's just ahead. But first, we'll begin with this. Georgia House Speaker John Burns is calling the anti-Semitic flyers found in Sandy Springs and Dunwoody neighborhoods over the weekend repulsive. Sunday morning, families in those communities found anti-Semitic flyers in their driveways. Of the drive, driveways littered with this garbage, two belong to a member of this house and a member of our Capitol Press Corps, respectful, respectively. Speaking from the State House yesterday, Burns emphasized that, quote, hate has no place in Georgia. House Democrat Esther Panich from Sandy Springs says she found the flyers in her driveway, and she was spoke on the floor yesterday as well, and she recalled other targeted incidents. And then to be called a Nazi by a political science professor and a former head of a local GOP group, I get concerned. And then to hear... Kanye is right being flashed at the UGA UF game where two of my children were in attendance. I get worried. Panich is promising to find those responsible with the full force of the state government. And a programming note, Representative Panish was scheduled to appear on is scheduled to appear during tomorrow's closer look. In other news, full Medicaid expansion is popular among a majority of registered voters in Georgia. That's according to a recent poll, as we hear from Jess Mador. The University of Georgia School of Public and International Affairs administered the survey, which was commissioned by the left-leaning Georgia Budget and Policy Institute. Of the approximately 1,100 registered voters who participated, 49% were Democrats, 41% were Republicans, and 11% were Independents. The survey polled them on a number of tax, education, and social issues, and findings show more than two-thirds support full Medicaid expansion to cover more uninsured people across the state. Georgia's one of 11 states that haven't done so under the Affordable Care Act, and General Assembly Democrats are pushing for this to change, but Republican House Speaker John Burns has said the body would not take up the issue this year. Jess Mador, WABE News. $10 million is leaving Atlanta and going back to Washington, D.C. That's because the city missed a December 
deadlines to use the funds for rental emergency rental assistance. Monday, Atlanta City Council members heard from frustrated landlords, property managers, and tenants like Tanya Green. She said she applied through the city's emergency rental program twice. It sucks to hear you guys about to send $10 million back. I can't, I can't express just how much anguish this whole process have put me through. It's already hard enough going through the pandemic with COVID, losing wages. The cost of everything has went up. Everything. I, I'm still trying to find my footing. Cersei Bono manages mixed income properties. Throughout the whole ordeal, there has been no consistency in how the funds were being allocated as far as giving them to the tenants. Um, I've gone through the state program, the city of Atlanta's program, and no one was properly staffed. It was taking anywhere from four to six months before an application would even be processed. Bono went on to say one property she manages has over $280,000 in back rent that's owed. You're listening to Closer Look. We're back in a moment. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. Is that our politics music there, Daniel? <laughs> Closer look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. You can bet on this. There will be a lot of betting this weekend because of the Super Bowl. Now, according to the American Gaming Association, a record 50.4 million adults are expected to place, I get this, 16 billion on the game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Personally, I'm just going to maybe bet some wings or something. But betting is always a hot topic this time of year, and Georgia lawmakers may be combing through what to do with online sports betting in general. It's just one of many measures. And here to talk about that and others, well, from our WABE politics team, Sam Greenglass, who has never even bought a lottery ticket. Have you, Sam? I have bought a lottery ticket. Oh, 18th you, birthday. Did you win? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Who do you like this weekend, Chiefs or Eagles? All I know is that uh, my hometown Detroit Lions uh, are not in the Super Bowl, probably will not be in the Super Bowl for a long time to come. Um, that is probably true, Sam. <laughs> I think I'm unbiased in saying that is probably a fact. But we wish y'all well. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> but the Falcons are no longer, or they're not even close either. So, hey, listen, let's talk about what's happening there. First, let's, I want to get to this Senate Bill 44. Governor Kemp is backing this. Uh, which he's touting as anti-gang measure. What's this about? Because this has been something that's been on his radar even in his first term. Yeah, so what this bill would do is it would basically stiffen mandatory minimum sentences 
specifically for people who are convicted under Georgia's really broad anti-gang laws. Um, so right now, there are five to 20-year mandatory minimums for these crimes, but there's the possibility for judges to convert some of that sentence into probation. This law would basically eliminate that possibility in almost all cases. And then the other thing it would do is it would add another mandatory minimum, 10 to 20 years, uh, in cases that are convicted under this anti-gang law, but also involve a minor under the age of 17. So the idea here is to try and stamp out recruitment of young people in joining gangs. And, and Sam, even when this and other measures like this, and even when uh, under before Camp was running for re-election, there was some concerns about the anti this anti-gang measure measures that's already on the books because it didn't really. Some folks said, you know, how are you going to fairly determine, you know, who's in a gang, what's a gang? I know we have the gang database. Uh, what are you hearing from lawmakers? Well. I think one interesting piece of the pushback here is there has been some broad interest in criminal justice reform, including from Republicans in Georgia's legislature. You know, I'm thinking back to Governor Nathan Deal's uh, mm -hmm. criminal justice reforms just a couple of years ago. And this kind of moves in the opposite direction. You know, a target for reform has often been trying to eliminate mandatory minimums, eliminate uh, mandatory cash bail. And uh, this is kind of going in the opposite direction as Kemp and other Republicans have really adopted this tough on crime mentality uh, in the last election and into the beginning of this first term. Uh, you know, we heard from advocates at hearings this week that were reminding us that Georgia has one of the highest incarceration rates mm -hmm. in the country, disproportionately black people in Georgia's prisons. Uh, and uh, yes, violent crime is up uh, across the board generally in Georgia. Uh, but some advocates are saying this is not the right way to approach that that problem. Uh, what, if you had to be a betting man, uh, what is the likelihood of this getting to vote? Well, uh, it is a top priority for Governor Kemp, uh, for Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones. Uh, the bill is being carried by one of Governor Kemp's floor leaders. So I think there's a very good shot that this becomes law by the end of the session. Yeah. I want to shift for a moment because we have to go back a little bit outside of state politics in terms of the Capitol. But listen, where is this report from the special grand jury in terms of what's going to happen with the judge? I know you and Judge McBurney, y'all play golf, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, we've, we've been waiting basically with bated breath for two weeks now at this point. Um, I thought that this would happen a little faster than it has, at least a decision from uh, Judge McBurney's chambers. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have an answer yet. Now, this does not mean that stuff isn't happening behind the scenes. You know, uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis does not need uh, this report to be public or sure. decided whether it's going to be public to be moving ahead with whatever she's doing in regards to her decision about being, bringing uh, indictments in front of a grand jury. So this doesn't mean that nothing's happening right now, but mm -hmm. we, the public journalists, we basically are in the dark for the time being, and uh, we will certainly keep you updated when this report comes out. I know lots of us in the press corps are basically just refreshing this docket all yeah. day long and a little afraid to go too far from the house in case a decision comes out. And, you know, I mean, Judge McBurney, you know, he's, he's hard to read sometimes. So, you know, look, it's Super Bowl weekend. He might... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, release it and we're all watching the game. Who knows? I've been guarding my Fridays for between <laughs> 5 and 7 p.m. waiting for, for these decisions or reports because it just seems like that's when they always decide to come out. And, uh, yeah. and, and Sam, are we, I mean, are we still, are departments and agencies still trying to make a case for budgets or have we gotten through all of that? So the House uh, so far has voted on the amended fiscal year 2023 budget. Uh, Remember, Georgia runs on fiscal years. They Mm -hmm. go from uh, June to July. And so sometimes they need to make tweaks to the last year's budget. That has been done, at least on the House side. Um, So we are still very much, you know, we've had all the budget presentations, but in terms of the stuff getting approved and signed into law, we are still very much in that process. And Sam, what are you following? Uh, Well, so one other thing, I just want to swing back to criminal justice reform for Mm -hmm. a minute. Another piece of that is uh, bail reform. Uh, And, you know, when you hear bail reform, it's often in the context of trying to move away from from the cash bail system, which, uh, you know, reform advocates say disproportionately uh, affects uh, communities of color. Mm -hmm. But uh, in this case, we're hearing, again, proposals from the governor's office uh, to uh, make cash bail more stringent, adding more offenses that, uh, you know, you cannot release someone awaiting trial without without bail. Uh, so that is another piece uh, that we are watching as Governor Kemp and Republicans in the State House are really focused on trying to uh, crack down on crime in Georgia. And Sam, remind our listeners just how much longer we have to go till we get to some some pivotal points in the, in the legislative session here. You know, it has been a really slow start to this session, at least compared to last year when things there was bill after bill after bill that attracted lots of public attention uh, pretty much from the start. Um, We are in the middle of a 40 day session, uh, which will supposedly end on March 29th crossover day, you know, this important threshold when bills have to pass one chamber of the legislature generally, that's on March 6th. So we're kind of just getting into the swing of things where we've got hearings on bills and votes and things are getting to the floor, you know, after a couple weeks of a, a slow windup, I'd say. And are you hearing anything about the online sports betting? I feel like we talk about this every legislative session. It's a big Super Bowl weekend. You heard me coming into the program about how, you know, look, folks say that 50.4 million adults are going to be doing betting on this. I mean, betting's a huge, it's a huge, it's a huge industry. Yeah, there's a lot of money already spent by Georgians on online sports betting, even though it is not illegal here. And what I've heard most recently is that there may be a push to do just online sports betting and to attempt to do it without a constitutional amendment, which many legal scholars say is necessary part of changing anything relating to gambling in Georgia. The idea here is that somehow you could attach it to the lottery, which is a... already legal and operating in Georgia, and that wouldn't require a constitutional amendment. Uh, The legal questions around that are a bit unclear, at least to me at this point. Uh, But we also know that uh, I had just uh, earlier this week uh, saw a representative from the uh, Georgia Baptist Mission Board uh, uh, moving around the Capitol, and they, of course, will be uh, in opposition uh, Mm -hmm. to anything to add forms of gambling in Georgia. So there will certainly be uh, pushback under the gold dome against this. So at this moment, uh, it looks like may come up. 
Will it pass this year after many tries? That I cannot answer for you. <laughs> and no one has been able to answer that question throughout the years. Listen, I want to go back to one thing because Georgia Democrats are looking at the possibility of an earlier presidential primary in 2024. We're hearing that probably ain't going to happen. But what is the plan from the DNC and what could this mean in terms of the Republican primary as well? Yeah, so uh, Democrats at the moment are moving ahead with this plan to have Georgia weigh in on the Democratic presidential nominee on February 13th. That would be, I believe, number four in the lineup. So kind of a big deal for Georgia to have that early stamp of influence. But the person who makes that final decision (laughs) on the date is Georgia Secretary of State Brett Raffensperger. And what he has said is that he actually likes the idea of Georgia potentially going early but not this year. And that is because the RNC, they have already set their dates Mm -hmm. and Georgia would get penalized if they moved up their date into this early window. And Secretary Raffensperger says he doesn't wanna have two separate primaries on two separate dates. He wants Democrats and Republicans to go together. Democrats in Washington have given Georgia until June to figure this out, but at this current moment, it is looking really unclear whether that's actually gonna happen. What type of penalty? So they could lose all their delegates okay. uh, when it comes to the nominating convention, which would basically mean that, uh, you know, whatever Georgia Republicans weigh in mm-hmm. on different candidates, it basically doesn't count towards uh, whoever the ultimate nominee is. We shall wait and see. And then one last thing. Speaking of elections, now Fulton County had been under a watchful eye with the state threatening to take over elections. I had a conversation with Brad Raffensperger not too long ago. And while he wouldn't admit that Fulton County gets an A, he said, basically, you know, they, they did pretty good. They all right. Yeah, so this final uh, report was finished uh, earlier this winter. Uh, Today, actually, the State Elections Board heard from the uh, committee members who uh, basically conducted the investigation under the new Georgia election law. And uh, what they laid out was that Fulton County is making progress, it is working to improve, and that uh, state takeover of Fulton County's election board would actually hinder that progress. So still some room for improvement, but they are moving in the right direction, at least according to this uh, bipartisan review panel. Well, how about that? Who would have thunk it? (laughs) You ever heard that term, Sam? Who would have thunk it? I I have. Okay, just checking. (laughs) WABP. Politics reporter Sam Greenglass, as always, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Go Detroit Lions. Yeah. (laughs) One day. (laughs) Thanks, Rose. Thanks, Sam. Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. If your vehicle runs on gas, guess what? You have a catalytic converter. EV folks, not so much. Now, those converters are a major factor when it comes to a car's emission control system. Y'all should know that. They reduce the amount of pollution coming out of the tailpipe, right? Okay. Now, converters are made of high-value precious metals that can be worth thousands of dollars, which is why they are sought after by folks who shouldn't be doing that. Uh, In recent years, there's been a wave of catalytic converters thefts in Georgia and across the nation. So much so, they increased more than 1,200% 
between 2019 and 2022. That's according to the National Insurance Crime Bureau. And listen, they track all this stuff so we know it's true. Now, locally, there's a new effort to curb these type of thefts. The Atlanta City Council recently passed a new catalytic converter ordinance. And the man behind it, he always says, I love Zone 3. Represents District 12, Atlanta City Councilman Antonio Lewis. Welcome to the program. Your first time, Councilmember Lewis. You excited? I appreciate you. You, you just made me smile. You wore a suit for me, bro. I, I wear a suit every day. I tell you, I do it for the young boys. I like that. That's why. Do, please do, because I, I, they need help. Uh, <laughs> let's back up for a moment, because I want to get to know you for a little bit for our listeners. Why do you want to be a council member? Why'd you Why'd you run? I used to want to be the watchdog, right? Yeah. So I, I understood my role. I could get mine, like I was going to be successful with certain things, right? Mm-hmm. But it was people that was just missing out on resources. We live in, like, the greatest city in the history of the planet to me. This is the beloved community that Dr. King always talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And so they used it used to work. It, it worked for me. A young man, my mom murdered when I was two years old. My father sorry, in and out yeah. of prison. I lived in a house. I grew up in a house, in a trap house, with 22 people in my house at all times. So this city worked for me. It stopped working for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. My job was to make it work again, and we needed a watchdog. Somebody said, hey, we got resources, y'all. Come get them. Okay. And so my the watchdog, my goal is to get resources out to people. I want to be a walking resource. You know, there has been, uh, as you know, there's been a, an increase in, in as it relates to carjackings, car thefts, uh, certain models that folks are after, um, these catalytic converters, which can bring in a lot of money. Uh, did you hear from folks in your district? Is that why you, you, you wanted to, to push this ordinance? One of my friends who owns a, a muffler shop, Uh-oh. He, he told me that people would pull up to his car with these really nice-looking cars, but it sounded like a Harley-Davidson, right? Mm-hmm. And so he knew instantly that they had their catalytic converter stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got people like uh, Mrs. Nisi's daycare center. It's a daycare center right on Old Hateville next door to Cleveland Avenue Elementary School, and they had a camera that you could see on their cameras outside that a person went under their car within a one minute, had two big Cadillac converters from their vans. Now, here's the issue to me. Mm-hmm. You steal this Cadillac converter. We can't stop you because he got it in one minute. How can I stop that person from getting that Cadillac converter? And let's back up for our listeners, because I, I mentioned this. So they take these catalytic converters and they take them to scrap junkyards or, or whatever. And, and how much money can they get? Three hundred, seven hundred thousand. Uh, this this precious metal yeah. that that they're using to fight wars with, they're using to do different things with. It's in our cars, and we we. I mean, it's in the, the only way I think we can stop it because I can't stop him on the front end. We can't stop this guy who's come, this guy or person who. But you would in. like to. I I wish I could. Right. But I think that the way I stop him on the front end is I stop the person who's buying it from him. And so as a, and so before you all were crafting this ordinance and getting it passed. I could just go in. I said, look, I got this catalytic converter. How much are you going to give me for it? And there's no record keeping. There's And you get cash for it? Cash. Cash. You can. We, we got about five scrap metal yards in the city of Atlanta. We know them, right? Yeah. So they're taking them in there. If you see somebody come in with 13 Cadillac converters who doesn't own I found them, them on the street. <laughs> I, found, I was walking down Peachtree and found them. That, that don't happen. You know what I mean? So we have to stop it. But we were down. we went down this road with copper. You know, back in the day when folks were just pulling copper from your AC units and all yeah. kinds of places. Yeah. Did you get any, did you talk to the, the, the folks at, at the scrap yards? I mean, what, what did they say? They're mad at me. Uh, this, this was a lot of money involved, man. They, I don't know. 
they, they've been reaching out. Each one has reached out. They got my personal phone number. I, I keep telling them to stop calling my personal phone because they they don't want to stop this from going on. If they're if they're giving someone three to seven hundred to a thousand dollars, imagine what they're making off of it. Yeah. And so to me, I'm okay with you doing what you're supposed to do. Just only buy it from a used car dealer. Buy it from a person who's willing to give you show you their title, show you it came from their car. So let's talk about this ordinance. What will this ordinance entail then? And and this is this is one of the best ordinances that I think I've written as a city council person because guess what? You know how people say Democrats and Republicans don't work together? I have heard that. I passed it on Atlanta City Council and I reached across the aisle to my state Senate Republican partners mm -hmm. and they're carrying this in the state in our state house. So this is about to pass again on the state side. So I'm I'm super excited because I got some Republicans as a, a freshman city council person. I got some Republicans senators, some seasoned Republicans. Yeah, but you got scrap folks mad at you. And, and <laughs> I'd be okay because my, my aunties and my young folks in my district who cars sound like mufflers who are now out of uh, this. They taking from their neighbors. Yeah, they taking from people who really can't afford it. So this ordinance yeah. will find the scrap yards. So uh, if you want to give away this three hundred dollars, we're going to find you two thousand. But the fine right now is at one thousand. I'm trying to increase it to two because I now know they make more than that off of is it. That, I want to punish them. Is that fair? to them yes to me i want you to do correct business mm -hmm. i want you to make a billion dollars if you can but mm -hmm. buy it from the right people set up the right deals set up a contract with a used car dealership they'll bring them all but what if someone is bringing it from the car that doesn't run anymore you want them to to collect data is that oh, yeah i want you to, your fingerprint i want you to be willing to or be willing to give a copy of your license because we have people in my district who can't afford the next morning, right? Mm -hmm. You take it at, in the wee hours at night. They can't afford what just happened that next morning. So now with pollution in the air, we got cars that are torn up now. Are there is there any other city throughout the nation that has a similar ordinance that you all crafted this after? Uh, this is a very difficult type of ordinance to craft, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. the city can only do so much, right? I can find them, but I can't stop them from doing it. So I need the states. So this is a partnership and. My background is in, I worked in politics. I worked for, on the federal government level. Mm -hmm. I worked on the state level. So I understood the three branches. I'm blessed to have a, a chief of staff who works the same kind of way. And so we just balanced this. This was being innovative. This was, a, this was looking around the country, seeing an issue, seeing how could we stop it without punishing people harshly and severely. The only thing we're telling you to do is do legal business. Mm -hmm. So I want to back up just so folks understand. So you would require... These folks who, whether we call them scrapyards, you require them to get a photo ID? Yep. It, it allows code enforcement to shut down bad actors in the neighborhood. Uh, it, 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 the fines are $1,000. It prohibits uh, scrapyards from purchasing Cadillac converters from people without documentation of vehicle ownership. You gotta show them, if, you, if you own this car, you can sell your Cadillac converter. How do you enforce this? This is working with once again, working with a lot of different people, these scrapyards then sell these these pieces of metals to. They the, sell to somebody else uh, too. So to are you going else. after them too? Man, we got to keep working. Can I tell you something? Tell uh, me. This is when I say we got to keep working. My goal: if scrap metal yards basically saying they can't buy it, they're not mm -hmm. buying them. So a person who's stealing a, a Cadillac converter, they don't even want to show you their ID. So that's the the, the so average. You're person, saying that should stop it right there. It then. stops it. It it actually. You're saying it, it should stop it. No, it will. It it it. Well, it actually cuts off the stream of co stolen converters because mm -hmm. it takes the buyers away. 
Okay. I'm, I'm the buyer. The scrapyard is the person I'm going after. I can't stop the person stealing it. He can, if a person steals 10 Cadillac converters, but he doesn't have proof of ownership of the car, he can't sell them nowhere in the city of Atlanta. Okay. He got to go somewhere else. That's right. how I stop it in our city. So okay. when you say how we stop, stop it, the, the buyer, mm-hmm. the buyer can no longer buy anything that a person doesn't have documentation to say they own that vehicle. So when I say we got to do some more work, we don't. We've already done it. The buyer is not going to buy. The buyer does that. He does not want he or she does not want to pay that fine. Any other pushback from anyone else? You mentioned the scrap owners, but any other concerns that you have? Are you you're confident you like what the ordinance does? I think people like doing fair business. Mm -hmm. I think this is right here is like asking people to be good actors. Okay. I'm thinking about the people who are riding around sound like Harley Davidson's in their nice 2025, (laughs) 25 cars right now. You mentioned that uh, as a as a as a rookie, as a newbie, and you are very proud of this ordinance, and also you're hopeful that the state will pick this up. They've already done it. They've already picked it up. Uh, what else have you learned this first year? It's been eye opening for you. So I look at this as like uh, three steps before you walk. Right, you scoot, you crawl, then you walk. Last year we scooting. Right now we scooting with our head up a little bit. Yeah. So what I but mean y'all got by some challenges now. Each district has different challenges, yeah. right? Last year we had to learn how to cut the grass. Right. But yeah, yeah, but as a city council too, y'all got some challenges. You know, yeah. You, you know, you, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say because look, you were you were friends, close friends of Rayshard Brooks, so you know, when policing, for example, you know the tension there. Mm. How do you propose? getting to or look there's no magic solution but is there something that's missing since you represent the community from the community you know you from the a you're you're a native a so you've been on that side too yeah i'm closer friends with oscar kane Uh, oscar kane died one year before rayshard books brooks did he died on the night of my birthday yeah Uh, and he died less than one mile from where i was on my birthday we used to sleep head to feet in the bed the police officer turned his camera off and I still talk to his mom. So I understand fully that we ain't did this right. Mm-hmm. I do understand that if Atlanta don't fix it, nobody else can. What's like missing if, in all of this, do you think? In Atlanta? No, just in, 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 in policing in general. In, so I'll say Atlanta. Because mm-hmm. we, if you think about it, right, last week, last week a young man in zone three, we're talking about zone three, where, where Oscar Kane and where Rashard Brooks got killed. Mm-hmm. Rashard Brooks, that was not a zone three police officer. Think okay. about that. That ain't happened from no zone three police officer. I checked them. So and I work with them. Mm-hmm. We, we, we I think that we have. As a matter of fact, I, I'm on Cleveland Avenue. So when people come to me about certain things about policemen, I'm like, you ain't who you talking to? Where you at? Because I'm outside. Right. And my mom got killed when I was two. So I understand gun violence is a little bit different from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So when we think about the way we do it right. We got when you think about the black police force we got mm-hmm. in the city of Atlanta. When you think that that's one thing that's helped us and they are able to move around with us a little different. You want to see more training. Would you like to see officers also live and be if possible? I mean, housing is a whole nother issue. They are as much as possible. It's it's kind of expensive for them moving to the city. I think that we have to spend more more time with police not doing other people's job. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I when I got in office, we gave Pat 10 million dollars. Most money you ever given them. Was it 10? Yeah. I don't want to be wrong. Then The Uh. mayor gave him. I seen it was. A, was it ten or four? Ten or four? I, I know somebody's gonna look it up. Four. Yeah, I don't know if it was ten. But it was the most money that they've ever gotten from the city of Atlanta. That's true. So we we did that in the first budget, right? That means we helped stood them up. 
Uh, last week we had a, a job fair. The job that I told most people to apply for was PAD because PAD now can fund those positions. So I think we need to make sure that PAD is standing up so police officers aren't doing jobs they're supposed to. Okay. Another so that thing, that. Okay. I want to talk about something that police in Zone 3 have done. So that's one time Rayshard Brooks was not killed by a Zone 3 police officer. That man was the he was on a different kind of task force thingy that was messing with my friend. Mm-hmm. Oscar King was killed by a Zone 3 police officer. Last week, if you see, one police officer Zone 3 got his car stolen. Mm-hmm. I don't I know if y'all that, seen yeah. this, right? And this is the difference between what's going on in other cities and what's going on here. They actually had to uh, they pull saved off the, the train. The train yeah. almost hit the car. If you think about the, the mentality the car, yeah. that we talked about police officers got, these police had, they turned into human. They said, let's save this boy. Let's save yeah. this man. Help. If you hear their voice, let's get out of there. Get out of there. Yeah. Get out of my car. What would this man want to make him steal that car? You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I do. Under, I so, think we need police. I know we need police. But you're saying, in, in a nutshell, Increase the wraparound services for folks so that the police don't have to answer certain calls, which might lead to. I don't want to pull out a gun yeah. either. I, okay. I I think that I remember Mayor Kasim Reed. He used to have a count of an out, how many people, how many times the police actually pulled out their guns. I I I verbatimly remember him remember him saying police only pulled out their guns eight times this year in Atlanta one time. And I, I liked hearing that because he knew how many yeah, what times. What year was that? Because I, I need to know what year that was. <laughs> that ain't me. He had to be, I, I remember him saying that. So I yeah. want to get to a time in which we don't actually, they don't have to pull out their guns. Like mm-hmm. when those police officers saved that man out of their car, they didn't know what he was on his mind. They weren't trying yeah. to kill him. Like, You feel uh, being a uh, rookie, freshman uh, council person that you are getting your voice heard within you know, the collective? I think we have the right mayor. I think because we have a mayor who's uh, a drawing circles, which means that I'm able to be strong in my district. I'm able to be very strong in District 12. And so District 12 is growing in ways that we haven't seen. Uh, like I told you, we had to learn how to cut the grass right. over there. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, how y'all going to cut through, you know, the situation with the, the the training facility? I mean, are y'all having conversations? What can you What can you share? I know you can't share a lot, but. Or you could. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of different conversations are happening, and I've been very open. We don't turn out meetings with anybody. I had a meeting with the forest with some folks who are part of different defend the forest. It wasn't exactly them, but it was some folks that are very active with it. Okay. Uh, So we are very open to all conversations. Do I think we need a police training facility? Do you? Because we just talked about training police. We just talked about training. It's fire. That's a fire training facility. I want to see. I'm the person who's been quoted as saying the city of Atlanta won't work until the fire, until the trash man gets treated like the policeman. I think that the trash man. Do you man, think it should have been over there? It's in not in Atlanta. But in, but it's in a residential community, and there was a lot of folks that didn't want it. Y'all got a whole bunch of property out there on Fulton Industrial. Put that thing out there. <laughs> Some so say. That's, that's not in Atlanta, too. So District 12, I, I kept saying I'm focused on my district. I got from the airport yeah. to, and we got real issues Real, real deal issues. I'm on Cleveland Avenue where we, we just seen the RICO case drop where mm-hmm. my name got floated in it. Uh, I as know. A, uh, so we, we, we got real issues where I got friends that are being murdered by people. But also, but you don't think I'm a the, person you don't think who, the police fire facility issue is a real issue? Or Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Yes. And the current police fire facility is in my district as well. Have you seen it? No, I don't. No. So yeah, it's, it's currently in my district. It used okay. to be a school. Never okay. renovated. Okay. Never renovated. It's a school that... It's in an area that me and you, I, I go over there all the time because my friend has a little league football uh, team that practices on that what's, field. What street? 
It's off of Ruby Harper Boulevard. Okay. Ruby, it's off of Ruby Harper and uh, Southside Industrial. Okay, I know. And like, like okay, yeah. So it's right up in there. So imagine that's where they train at currently, mm-hmm. and that's not suitable. That's not suitable. So they're currently in my district in a black community in Pool Creek. What is it, What do you think the lesson is learned? Or through your communication. Lives? Yeah. I think if we talk about me, and you just talked about police need more training, right? I think they call that's it. What you co- said. I'm with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with saying that. I also said that the zone three police officer did right. Mm-hmm. I said that zone three police officer ain't shooting people. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. Also, I also know a zone three police officer who I know for sure saved every YSL member that was on that. Cause they was getting shot at, at a grocery store. And he actually went and uh, ran the cameras back and called and, and locked up the young man who was pulling up every single day to do a shootout on Cleveland Avenue. Not the, uh, suppose why well, no, I said Councilmember, nobody argues that there's a need for police when when there's something like that happening. When my mom got killed when I was two years old, yeah. you know who my grandma called? What? The police. The man who murdered my mom, he did 30 years in prison, right? Mm-hmm. He got out three months before my grandmother died. I asked, he, he's right now a little league coach in the city of Atlanta, right? I asked my grandma, I said, Mom, how you feel about this? She said she felt justice. Okay. That's what she took. She said she felt justice. Okay. Uh, I do have a question from a a listener before I let you go. It says, how are you going to ensure that owners don't take the metal under the table if you're going to monitor the inventory Hmm? for the catalytic converters? I'm going back to a question about the catalytic converters. Man, I'm hoping that people are good people. I'm hoping that people become good actors. Uh, We're finding them as much as we can. That would be less than 0.9% probably. You ever had your catalytic converter stolen? No, they don't play with me. Don't nobody, don't nobody play with me. You sound like they don't play with me. You sound like Nino Brown. No, I sound like a young person who's providing, who help folks. That's what's up. And so they, they, they probably wouldn't get me. They'll let me slide. All right, listen. Uh, Hip hop is fifty years old. Give me a top five. We're gonna go. I'm from Atlanta, full out, but I still like Jay Z. I, I, Jay Z was uh, he played with the words a little I different you, for me yeah. uh, growing up. And so I like Jay-Z. Then we're going to go Tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, T.I. Gotcha. My theme song is just doing my job. I gotcha. And then we're going to go, my age is uh, Young Jeezy. Because Young Jeezy, he go crazy. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go Young Thug. Because mm-hmm. I think he's the most talented rapper out of He can rap better than all of them. And then we'll go. <laughs> okay. He can. Whatever. They'll tell you. No, They'll tell I, you. I don't have time to argue with you. Okay. Just give They'll me your fifth one. You. Just give me your and fifth one. And then I go, the, the leader of the new school, the one who go, nah, give me two more. Okay, two more. I'm going right. to go uh, Future and Lil Baby together. Generations. Atlanta City Councilman Antonio Lewis, thank you so much for coming on and taking time. I was glad to have you on and get to know you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'll see you in my top five. Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. You know, recently we've been talking here on Closer Look about uh, possible 
recession. I know it's the R word. Many of you hate that and I can't do anything about it. We've also talked about the mass layoffs in the tech industry. And then last week we just talked about Microsoft and pausing plans for that West Side campus and what all that means for that neighborhood. Well, all this ties down to the fact that, you know, the tech industry is experiencing some ebbs and flows, as they say. And with Atlanta, particularly, some calling the Silicon Valley of the South. I'm not ready to know if I'm ready to say that yet. But uh, here's a question. How can Atlanta, is this tech hub, how will it survive this recession? And also, you know what? What's going to happen with the workforce? Well, there's a local industry that's working to be more inclusive in the face of what's going to be a recession, apparently. So I'm joined now by Larry Williams. He's the president and CEO of the Technology Association of Georgia. Welcome. Hi, Rose. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, recession or no recession? I think we're definitely going to have a slowdown in the economy, Slow whether down. we cross the line or not. I don't know. We're certainly going to bump up against it. I talked to an expert, uh, I think it was last week, who talked about the fact that for many of these tech companies, they simply just overhired. And especially during the pandemic, they everyone was working from home. They overhired, and then now they're sort of looking at streamlining and also looking at the fact that with some graduates coming out in the next few months, maybe some of them can do the jobs that they have for them. These people that they've already laid off. So there's all of these these optics surrounding. Uh, what's your view of all the layoffs here in the tech? Well, there was certainly a hiring frenzy. We all saw it. We all experienced it, and you know, it affected people. It, directly or indirectly mm-hmm. um so i think we are seeing a kind of a you know an equal equalization that's going on a normalization a right sizing whatever mm-hmm. term you want to be uh put on it but i think for those that were really at the forefront of that hiring frenzy and were able to just gather those that workforce um they are starting to let some go the good news is especially for a place like atlanta is that we can really think about some of the companies that got that weren't quite as able to be aggressive like those large companies and in their hiring practices and have real needs. So you're going to see a lot of these companies, small and medium-sized companies, taking on a lot of that workforce that's so, now available. Wow. So you think those folks who – Atlanta could be their destination if it wasn't. Atlanta could be on their radar because there are tech companies here that are going to say, oh, you know what, check our – our opportunities page, our we're hiring, our headhunters are going to be calling. You see that? Oh, by all means. And certainly with the workforce that's here, anybody that's uh, gotten displaced and um, feel for all those individuals. Nobody wants electoral macroeconomics if they're the ones affected. But there's still a lot of people out there hiring, and they're being very aggressive about it. And what role can your association play in all this? Are you all helping to sort of spread the word and say, look, come to Georgia? Well, we certainly are. We're taking care of our own first, and we're looking at the people that are here in Georgia and saying, what are your needs? And we have job boards and we have connectivities. We do, um, you know, career fairs, things like that that can help our workforce and uh, get connected with the jobs that are available. I know fintech is a huge industry here um, as well. What was it? Every credit card, debit card transaction. 70 percent. of How did that happen? Well, it was intentional. We, we, you know, yeah. we build an industry here, and I think a lot of the things that we – incentives that were actually geared towards attracting that type of industry. The other was the basic um, business climate that we have, uh, the ability for them to be effective and have good 
tax policies so they can grow their business. The other was infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I mean, so these companies need big pipes, big data, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fiber in the ground, yeah. ready to go. Data and centers we, are huge. That's right. And so they're connected directly to data centers. The cloud's not in the cloud. The cloud's down here in these buildings that it does. And so fintech, it's a global industry, and just it's 70% of all debit, credit, and reward card transactions are processed through Georgia. That is something. And 70%. it's here in Atlanta, and it's down in Columbus. Now, the other one you might not have heard yet is 80% of all commercial cryptocurrency transactions are now um, 80%. Uh, 80% so are done right here in Ethereum, Atlanta. the Litecoin, and Tether. It's and, a great company. See, I know a little bit about cryptocurrency. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know a little bit about cryptocurrency. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you, got the, you got the lingo. Well, let's, let's, There's a great company called BitPay that's really driving a lot of that. BitPay? Yeah. As long as we ain't no FTX stuff going on. Nope. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the, the workforce here, yeah. and in a few months, we're going to have a lot of folks graduating. Uh, what are you all, how are you all working to help develop and make sure that pipeline, that pipeline of candidates, one, is diverse, and two, that they're able to stay here in Georgia? That's a great question. And so we're working very hard at that. And a lot of it is the connectivity that we need between the demand, you know, the, the companies that are building their um, businesses, whether they be large, our Fortune 100s, 500s, our medium-sized businesses, and our small businesses. All of these have to have the connectivity connectivity listen you all speaking of connectivity y'all y'all got some connectivity money you got a billion dollar grant there from the you good from the build back better uh regional challenge a billion am i looking at this right you know for tag itself a two and a half million dollars and then that's part about a 165 million dollar uh, grant that georgia tech got now there could be some other avenues of that money that how much did y'all get we got two and a half million not bad not bad. Mm-hmm. And so there's a couple things. So one is you mentioned diversity a minute ago. And that's um, what is it that we're doing? We launched a program uh, just uh, late last year called Bridge Builders. Mm-hmm. And that really is, that's really got about four, um, four main objectives. One is how do we connect black technologists to senior and executive level positions? Mm-hmm. Um, a component of that is also how do we really work with the black technologists and work with our employers on succession planning? So how do we help people build their careers as they move in and then, you know, to mid-management mm-hmm. and then eventually into um, um, those senior and executive roles? You know, what we have in front of us is what people are referring to as the silver tsunami. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, all the folks with white hair like me are getting ready to, you know, if we're not going to hit the exit ramp, we're going to move on over to the right lane and slow down a little <laughs> bit. And we got to have smart, bright people ready to take those roles. So we're excited about those two things. The other thing that we're doing is helping entrepreneurs. You know, that's another way to not only give yourself a job, but to build a business and provide great opportunities for others as well. And we just started a program, part of Bridge Builders, called Tag Connect. Uh-huh. And we launched it two, year, two weeks ago. We had great companies like Comcast and Home Depot and BlackRock looking and giving advice and making connections directly with black entrepreneurs. And we're super excited about that. And you and I both know often it is not just access, before you have access, just knowing so many startups and, and, and so many people just don't know that there, that there are these resources out there. 
And I meet folks all the time who are, you know, working in the, the, the tech space and then they say, oh, I'm having, you know, difficulty, you know, just even meeting the right individual or, or, or you know, getting the right, just even mentorship, you know? You know, access is so critical. And there is, you know, somebody told me one time that five connections can change a person's life, whether they're looking for a job or looking to grow a business. And so that philosophy is stuck in my mind and what we're really trying to do. So when we think about this Tag Connect program, think of, you know, you could think of it like a shark tank, Mm -hmm. but it's really more of a dolphin tank. These are, (laughs) we are providing the opportunities, but uh, the judges are also giving them critical feedback. You know, what did you do? What could you do better? And we made so many connections, not only with the judges, which was the intention, but what I found out afterwards is there were people in the audience saying, hey, Rose, great company. Let me go ahead and introduce you to my friend over here. Mm -hmm. There was all this uh, serendipity that was happening just throughout this great crowd and making sure that these people are getting the access and connections that they need. Let me just give you the fourth component of the Bridge Builders real quick, and that is to um, increase our scholarship fund. Mm -hmm. We're going to raise money so that we can help people make sure they can be resilient in their ability to seek the jobs or better themselves through education certifications so that they can get uh, better careers. And I don't like to talk so much about jobs. I like to talk about careers. But often, too, you know, Larry, you have to get kids interested even before. I mean, those in college, when they graduate, you know, they know their path. But then there are some kids right now in, in high school and middle school who need to just be made aware of this is an avenue for you. you know, through our STEM education, our STEAM, because the arts is very much part of what we do and what we think about, we have, you know, it's trying to connect those or make people understand the career paths that come along with those jobs. You know, okay, everybody wants to be a sports star. Everybody wants to be, you know, a rock and roll star, a rap star, whatever. No, not everybody. Not everybody. You know, you know but everybody thinks it would be cool. But there's so many jobs, super cool jobs around those industries. Mm-hmm. You know, the CIO of the Braves. You know, is on our board of directors. Yeah, I just want to be the accountant, the folks that handle the money. (laughs) There you go. So, you know, there's so many things. There's, you know, sitting in rooms like this, the production, the the post-production, the graphics, all of this that goes into our media industry. And then also, if you're thinking about things like artificial intelligence, machine Mm -hmm. learning, all of these things are being done right here with companies. And they might not have great... uh, cool west coast names but they're doing great work right here in atlanta so i'll give you that question in 30 seconds silicon valley of the south yes or no we're atlanta we're special we're unique we are a tech and innovation we are a global head of innovation we're atlanta georgia i like that larry williams president ceo of the technology association of georgia or tag we'll have a link to all those programs that you talked about on our website i really appreciate it thank you for helping so many folks get into this industry thank you it's good to see you all right and that's it for this edition of closer look our producers are Lashawn hudson daniel razel and pat st Clair. tiffany griffith is our supervising producer our engineers are kevin rinker and soya vanderwerf a reminder let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other send me an email rose at wabe.org as well y'all stop emailing me about cryptocurrency i already got two if you miss any of today's show, it's online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And, of course, Closer Look weeknights at 7 p.m. as well as in our podcast. So subscribe to Closer Look wherever you like. I did like the idea of getting a pizza with cryptocurrency. That was kind of cool. Stay tuned to WABE from Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott.
Sounds Like ATL is a music documentary series that takes an in-depth look at the artists amplifying Atlanta's famed music community. Built around a desire to highlight Atlanta's diverse and world-renowned music scene, each episode features unforgettable, intimate musical performances by fresh new musical guests, each with exclusive interviews about the stories behind their music. Listen to Sounds Like ATL Saturday evenings at 7 on WABE and WABE.org. The world has changed from shifts in power to a mental health crisis. So with all this social change, how do we balance the human desire for empathy, the business need for productivity, and the hope to make an impact in our community? This is a new podcast, The Social Impact Leader. I'm Jeff Schinnebarker. Join me as we explore people doing work a little different. Available every Wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. W-A-B-E. 